rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Opposition to women's suffrage in the United States predated the Constitutional Convention 1787, which drafted and adopted the Constitution. The prevailing view within society was that women should be precluded from holding office and voting. Indeed, it was generally accepted among men that women should be protected from the evils of politics. Still, there was opposition to such patriarchal views from the beginning, as when Abigail Adams, wife of John Adams, asked her husband in 1776 as he went to the Continental Congress to adopt the Declaration of Independence to, quote, remember the ladies and be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors. In the scattered places where women could vote, in some types of local elections, they began to lose this right in the late 18th century. From the founding of the United States, women were almost universally excluded from voting and their voices largely suppressed from the political sphere. Beginning in the early 19th century, as women chafed at these restrictions, the movement for women's suffrage began and was tied in large part to agitation against slavery. In July 1848, in Seneca Falls, New York, then the hometown of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, the Seneca Falls Convention launched the women's rights movement and also called for woman suffrage. The American Civil War of 1861 through 1865 resulted in the end of the institution of slavery, and in its aftermath, many women abolitionists put on hold their desire for universal suffrage in favor of ensuring suffrage for newly freed male slaves. Gradually, throughout the second half of the 19th century, certain states and territories extended often limited voting rights to women. Wyoming Territory granted women the right to vote in all elections in 1869, but it soon became apparent that an amendment to the federal constitution would be a preferable plan for suffragists. Two organizations were formed in 1869, the National Woman Suffrage Association, which sought to achieve a federal constitutional amendment that would secure the ballot for women, and the American Woman Suffrage Association, which focused on obtaining amendments to that effect in the constitutions of the various states. The two organizations worked together closely and would merge in 1890. Today, my friends, is the anniversary of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States that officially extended the right to women to vote.
Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.04 a.m. and you are listening to Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It is Thursday, the 26th of August. Oh, it's almost over, you guys. Good morning to you, Peter Aguilera, dear friend of the show and host Sway. Good morning to you as well. Uh, boy, we got some news and some things to talk about. I wanted to start off with the um, uh, uh, speaking about the 19th Amendment because uh, in our time and in times before, since actually those early years, um, full rights for many people are still uh, far, far away. So we want to do what we can to highlight the history and uh, put it in the front part of our minds to take with us as we go forward. Hope that you guys are doing great this morning. It's a nice day outside. It's not as hot. I don't think it's 100 degrees yet. It might be like 90, uh, but it's getting up there. Heat the last two days. Last night was very rainy. I loved it. I am a person who loves bad weather. So I was sleeping like a like the proverbial baby last night with all of the thundering and lightning and rain, wind, and howling. It was absolutely great. The weather right now, I was wrong about 90. It's 72 degrees. The high temperature today will be 86 degrees, and that will be reached at about 1 p.m. Tomorrow is going to be 90. Saturday, 91 degrees. Full sunny day. All right. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on Saturday downtown, and I actually think that that's where we'll start at. Um, Our topic for today is going to be recent um, vaccine mandates for workers and hospitals. Uh, We'll be reading about that. Amita Health and Edward Elmhurst Health and Silver Cross are the ones in the forefront today, Uh, but we'll be talking about that at great detail. As we know, uh, the Pfizer vaccine has been fully approved by the uh, FDA. So again, we'll get into that. Let's talk about Thursday, or excuse me, let's talk about Saturday though. Let you guys know what is happening out there. All right, so the Alley Art Festival is taking place. Um, All of you artists get ready and all of you people who like art but are not artists yourself, get ready to come out and support. This entire Saturday is going to be amazing in all of downtown Aurora. So the Alley Art Festival uh, in support or to support local artists will be the 28th, rain or shine from noon to 5 p.m. Come on out for art, music, food, and spectacle. Uh, we're very excited to be back on Water Street Mall this year with this great event, and it's extended along the Riverwalk and to uh, 1 East Benton. Um, also on Saturday, there'll be artists at work as part of Aurora Public Arts live mural installations. So from noon to 8 p.m., Bomb Delat, Aurora Public Art is going to host DJs and 16 street artists live painting Aurora's first sanctioned street art gallery. Oh, how about that? So this is going to be in parking lot H at 14 Middle Avenue. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, person. What in the world? The parking lot H? What the heck is that? Okay. You know where Dakari is? Where used to be Spizzico? It's that parking lot right behind them where that big wall is. So it's literally the parking lot behind Spizzico and behind Glasshopper as you're going through New York Street coming up to Lake. That is lot H. 
um, and that's Middle Avenue going back there. So it's going to be a good time. Lots of great artists are going to be out there getting busy and doing their thing. International muralist Rafael Blanco, an Aurora resident originally from Spain, will be installing a 40-foot mural at 105 East Galena Boulevard. Now, 105 East Galena is uh, the bank building. Um, and if you, now you guys know, sometimes we spy on people from high locations in Aurora. That's another story. If you look up the next time you're at the intersection of Broadway and Galena at the bank building, you might see a brother up there painting. So keep your eyes open for that. Four local artists will be completing a mural depicting albrejes. I hope I said that right for my Latino listeners. Magical animals from Mexican folk art. That'll be on the BNSF viaduct wall along East New York Street under the railroad bridge. Now you can already see that. That's the wall or excuse me. That's the bridge and underpass where Wayside Cross is. So if you're coming into downtown or leaving downtown uh, on New York Street, Take a look at what's going on under that bridge right there by Wayside Cross, right before you get to the lights at Aurora Fire Museum. Okay, uh, six new traffic cabinet murals are being added to the existing 12 traffic cabinet murals installed throughout downtown Aurora in 2018. Christopher Lucero is installing three large-scale prints from his Calaveras of Chicago series on the east side of 36 West Downer Place. And there's an almost complete, almost complete unity mural at 210 East Galena Boulevard by Laura Lynn and Catalina Diaz. Now, that is the side of Mangkuk. I hope I pronounced that right. The Mangkuk restaurant, Asian Fusion, right there, right before you get to the intersection of Galena and Lincoln. Good stuff. Alyssa O'Conn is here. Gabriel Bradford is here. Good morning, everybody. Yes, all of our people. And Shannon Cameron, good morning to you, too, as well, dear friend. Shannon Cameron is a friend of the show and the executive director of the Aurora Interfaith Food Pantry. Great friend of the show, always doing some great work here in the community. And we were shooting some scenes yesterday. You might have saw us at Society 57 getting our film on. It was like Steven Spielberg out there. What? Like I said, next time we're going to have the whole street blocked off. They'll know who we are. Okay. So let's keep going on with more news. There is a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to go the uh, this Saturday as well at Jake's Bagel. We know what's going on there, right? I've been telling you about it since Monday, you guys. There is coffee and conversation taking place with our state representative of the 83rd District, Barbara Hernandez. And that's going to be from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. 220 North Broadway. Go in there, get some food. You'll love it. Jake's is a great place. Learn about um, what's taking place in Springfield on your behalf. Put your ideas to our state representative and hear about the work being done. Get involved. As we've told you many times, democracy is not a spectator sport. How do I know? Because I'm democratic. That's why. Okay, listen, Anna's Custom Treats is here as well. Happy Thursday to you. And Stacy Latrice Saldana is here. Lots of people tuning in this morning. Love to see all of you guys and hope that we're all doing blessed and we all got coffee and getting it in. Saturday, September 18th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., the free community shredding event hosted by the Kane County Teachers Credit Union and the Aurora Public Library. 
101 South River Street is the Santori branch downtown. That's where it's going to be at. Now, I have to let you guys know that because we got a bunch of branches of the Aurora Public Library. Most uh, readily familiar as well is the Eola branch right there next to Wabanzi Valley High School. But this will be downtown right across the street from Society 57. Fight identity theft and needless clutter at home by bringing your personal documents to the shredding event to have them safely shredded. Only paper materials will be accepted. Small paper clips and staples do not need to be removed. Shredding is accepted until the shred truck is full. Please, no plastic bags. For more information, you can call 630-270-1848. The number again is 630-270-1848. The time is now 8.13 a.m. and you are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news Podcast. All right, so shouts out to the 19th Amendment and that great history. Good to learn about. Now, getting on with the uh, important news of the day, or one of the important news items of the day. Amita Health, Edward Elmhurst Health, and Silver Cross Hospital will require their workers to get COVID-19 vaccines following the lead of many other Chicago area hospitals that have mandated the shots. The hospital system's decision to require vaccines comes just a day after the U.S. Food and Drug... Okay, let's do it. Sip it up. Sip it up. Sip it up. Everybody, sip it up. Let's do it. Oh, man. Treadwell, they did it good today. Let's do it again, huh? Oh, let's try that again. Okay. The hospital system's decision to require vaccines comes just a day after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the Pfizer vaccine. Representatives of Amita and Edward Elmhurst said Tuesday they were not waiting for their approval and had been planning mandates for some time. Silver Cross in New Lenox cited the FDA approval along with COVID-19 positivity rate in Will County and rising hospitalizations. In its news release announcing this mandate, um, Silver Cross is proud of the decision that they made and stands by it. Amita is one of the largest hospital systems in Illinois with 14 acute care hospitals that will require vaccines for 900 providers in its medical groups, more than 26,000 employees, and 7,000 physician partners by November 12th. Edward Elmhurst, which has hospitals in Elmhurst and Naperville, will require vaccines by October 25th for its 8,500 employees, including 1,900 nurses, 2,000 physicians on its medical staff, plus 1,200 volunteers. Silver Cross will require its more than 4,500 employees, physicians, and volunteers, as well as students and vendors, to be vaccinated by November 15th. Silver Cross has seen a large increase in COVID-19 patients recently, reaching its highest level since April, and requiring the hospital to reopen a special negative pressure unit, the hospital has said in a recent news release. And Amita and Edward Elmhurst are among the largest, excuse me, among the last large hospital systems in the Chicago area to mandate the shots. Um, although Northwestern Medicine had not announced a vaccine requirement as of Tuesday. All right. And again, that's Northwestern Medicine. They had not yet announced a vaccine requirement as of Tuesday. Uh, now, I'll tell you something. I, I think that's a uh, I think it's a good step. 
I think it's a good step. I personally believe that uh, having, or excuse me, taking the lead uh, in vaccines and public health, literally walking the walk of the talking the talk piece is necessary, especially when it comes to uh, hospitals and healthcare providers. But what do you guys think? Let us know in the chat. The time is 8.16 a.m. Okay. Now, I've got some more stuff. Well, Megan says, can we drop the shred info? You know what, Megan? I do not have a link for it. It's open to the public, and it's not an event for folks to register for. But I'll tell you what I will do, um, because I know you. Ding, ding. I will text you the flyer, and I'll actually make a post on it for our Facebook here after the show. All right. Linda Mullenbach. Maria Chorito and Aisha Saxon. Good morning to all of you, dear, wonderful, fine, great, awesome, motivated people. All of you. And Emily, what is up? All right, let's talk Oswego and let's talk our neighbors because you guys know that we, this is, you know, a couple things. Oswego's next door. They are all right. They're cool, right? We love them and we love our vets. So let's talk about Vet Fest. Beginning today in Oswego, hey, VetFest 2021 featuring four nights of bands starts today at venue 1012. That's the, uh, the name was, excuse me, unveiled recently for the new entertainment venue and it's 1012 Station Drive in Oswego. Johnny Cash tribute band, The Man in Black, will headline tonight with opening act Hillbilly Rockstars. Country duo Low Cash with special guest Jacob Bryant will perform Friday. Vince Neal, the voice of the band Motley Crue, will perform Saturday with opening, excuse me, with 10 twin brother rock duo Nelson opening for Neal. Vince Neal from Motley Crue. Uh-oh. We got any Motley Crue fans out there? Any fans of y'all of the crew? Hit that in the chat. What's your favorite Motley Crue song? <laughs> All right. Now, uh, Chicago area rock band Seventh Heaven with one of these nights, an Eagles tribute band will close out the festivities on Sunday. General admission tickets for single night shows start at $10. Four day passes are $75 and they're on sale at www.vetfest141.org. Concert gates open at 5 p.m. Thursday through Saturday and 4 p.m. on Sunday. Very, very cool. Now, if you guys go out there, take some pics and send them to us. I promise you, we will post you. Uh, the four-day festival is organized by the VetFest 141 Foundation, a La Jolla, California-based nonprofit organization started by a group of childhood friends who are both veterans and civilians. According to the website, uh, the group's mission is to honor the military community through the power of music. Okie dokie. Um, now, I love music myself. I, uh, I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. You know, a brother does. I like my classic rock. I really do. I like Bad Company. I like all that. I'm a huge Black Sabbath fan. So if there was a Sabbath band, I mean, if Sabbath was there, but if there was a Sabbath band playing, I'd be out there and everything. Like some Vince Neil, too. Um, so I do more than just rap. But a lot of you people know that. All right. 
Catholic Charities, the uh, Diocese of Joliet, has a mobile food pantry. And that is at Our Lady of Mercy, 701 South Eola Road from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Uh, mobile food pantries use a drive through method to distribute food during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, clear space in your trunk or back seat so volunteers can load boxes of food directly into your vehicle. Catholic Charities helps people of all faiths and beliefs. Mobile food pantries take place rain or shine. No identification or information will be required or collected. The event is open to anyone in need of food. Let's say that again. The event is open to anyone in need of food. I love that. I love that. All right. Anna says, does anyone know where pictures from the block jam were posted? Oh, you're talking about the one that happened over the weekend. Is that correct, Anna? The one that was down there on uh, Stolp, the downtown Aurora block jam? You know, I'll tell you, there were some that were posted. Now, we were not there, unfortunately. We had to work. Um, but there were some that were posted, Anna, in the um, downtown Aurora hub, I believe is the Facebook page. They're on Facebook. There's a few of them on Facebook. And Aurora downtown Facebook page, if you check them out, they posted some. I do recall seeing some uh, being posted. Hope that helps because that was a great little event. All right. Moving right along, moving right along, moving right along. The Hollywood Aurora Block Party is coming up. That's going to be this Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is a 21 and over event open to the public, free to attend. Every person who downloads, registers, and makes a minimum of a $25 cash deposit in the Barstool Sportsbook app will receive a free Barstool t-shirt and a drawing ticket to be entered into drawings for... I don't got a drum roll button, but... I'll just do it myself. That wasn't a good drum roll. Uh, Chicago White Sox Suite Tickets. Ooh. Wrigley Rooftop Tickets. Ah. And M Resort Package with Raiders vs. Bears Game Tickets. Very cool. $5 raffle tickets benefiting the Aurora Veterans Advisory Council. Shout out. And the Aurora Police Association. Prizes include Fabio Viviani Hosted Dinner. Who is Fabio Viviani? Does anybody know? Can anybody give us that information? Where's our looker-uppers? Somebody look up Fabio Viviani. Because I, I know that's not the guy, like the, the famous model. Because he's Fabio, I can't think of his last name, but it's not Viviani. So whoever this guy is, Fabio Viviani, hosted dinner. Let's see, who is that? Somebody look that up, please. Chicago sports memorabilia, draft party for 12 at the penalty box and more. There's going to be an appearance by Barstool Personalities. 10% of the food truck proceeds will benefit the above-mentioned charities. And who are those food trucks? I'm glad you asked. Gillerson's Grubbery, Bally Doyle, Home Run, Hot Dogs, and Taqueria Senor Tacos. Shouts all the way out. Oh. I know. I know. Goodness gracious, you guys. Okay, so... Let me know what you guys are going to be uh, into because I've got an event. We told you we previewed a little bit of an event that we've got coming up uh, on the on Monday. We told you about it. But where are you guys going to be this weekend? Some of you guys went to get the lead out. I saw you. 
I saw your pictures. Looks like you had a really good time. Date night. I love to see that kind of stuff. But I want you to clear your calendars because Good Morning Aurora, in conjunction with our friends Tavern on Broadway, are going to do something so cool, so awesome, so special that it actually qualifies as... Sunday, September 5th at 24 North Broadway, there will be Noticias y Mimosas, news and mimosas. Yes, that's right. Brunch. Can you imagine? I know that you can. You can sit with us, chill with us, and watch a live interview in the comfort of Tavern on Broadway, enjoying a mimosa. And relaxing. We'll have a couple of appetizer items, some small plate stuff provided by Corinne's Kitchen. That menu and the flyer will be posted here shortly, most likely tomorrow. But yes, clear your calendar. Uh, Monday, the 6th of September is Labor Day. So this is our pre-Labor Day. Have fun with you. Give you something cool to think about and something cool to talk about kind of event. And I hope, I really do. I hope to see as many of you there as possible. Come on out, relax, have a good time. Our interview guest is going to be great. We'll be talking about a lot of things. You'll be live. Shouts out. I mean, you guys know how we do. You already know how we do. We love you all to death. And this is going to be our way to give back to you, the listener, the city. Shout out to local business, support local, all of the above. All right. So let's move on, you guys. Now, I got a little bit of Chicago news, too, and I'm bringing this up because it is also health-related, too. Um, it is relevant. It's also on the uh, topic of vaccines. Chicago workers must get the COVID vaccine by October 15th, and that is according to the mayor's office of Chicago. All city workers, without exception, must be fully vaccinated by the 15th of October, although employees can apply for medical or religious exemption. That move follows numerous private businesses in cities across the country that are implementing similar mandates, as has Cook County and Chicago Public Schools. Quote, as cases of COVID-19 continue to rise, we must take every step necessary and at our disposal to keep everyone in our city safe and healthy. Getting vaccinated has been proven to be the best way to achieve that and make it possible to recover from this devastating pandemic. And so we have decided to join other municipalities and government agencies across the nation, including the U.S. military, who are making this decision to protect the people who are keeping our cities and country moving. End quote. The time is now 827. Um, what do you guys think? Any Chicago workers out there? I know we got a whole lot of uh, whole lot of. City of Aurora folks, folks who are retired, a couple of folks who work. Um, let us know what you guys think about that. How, do, how does how does that feel to you? Uh, personally, I think public health and safety uh, should be paramount. Peter says, what time are the mimosas? That'll be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. It'll be a nice, light, early brunch on that particular Sunday, September 5th. Dan Barrero's here. Good morning to you, dear sir. All right, moving right along, moving right along, moving right 
along. Calling all artists once again, our friends of Culture Stock are bringing life to the classic game Loteria, Aurorita La Bella. Uh, it's your creation of the classic card in the game, and it could be featured. November 1st, Friday, um, Culture Stock is going to feature and unveil all the game and the submissions. All submissions have to be received by the 15th of September, JPEG and PNG format only. You can email Araceli at... Araceli A at culturestock.org. A R A C E L I A at culturestock.org. Get started. Also, vote, vote, vote. Don't forget, help to reestablish a community bookstore in Aurora by casting your vote for Culture Stock to receive State Farm's Neighborhood Assist Grant. Selected as one of 200 finalists, they need your help to win this $25,000 grant, and voting goes until August. Uh, well, it goes until tomorrow. Holy cow. But you can still vote up to 10 times a day. Uh, they need your help. So please get out there and vote. The link to do so is on our Facebook page. Just scroll down a little bit. Okay. October 15th, which is a Friday. That's going to be a really great night. Our friends of Mutual Ground, they will be hosting their black and white ball from 6 to 11 p.m. at Hotel Arista. Hotel Arista is located at 2139 Citygate Lane in Naperville. Mutual Ground supports everyone, and because it's a black and white ball, all participants and guests must wear black and white. Duh. Don't be the guy coming there with a green tie. Uh, you can wear black and white or shades of black and white, including silver. So get dressed up, get dressed to a press, and come on out and support our dear friends um, of Mutual Ground. They do a whole lot of good stuff. I don't think people really realize what a resource an organization like Mutual Ground or our food pantry uh, is and what they are to our community. Can you imagine if there were no food pantries or if we did not have Mutual Ground? Think about that. Don't think long because this is a positive show. Okay. Uh, now, Aurora continues to fight over census numbers, guys. We told you guys about this, um, and the, the battle still goes on. And this, so, look, I've asked you to comment about a few things now. I've asked you to comment on Amita Edward uh, requiring vaccine mandates. I've asked you to comment on uh, Mayor Lifeless Declaration. Comment on this, too. Okay. Well, actually, hold on a second, because... Casildo says, good morning, Aurora. Good morning to you, too. With ICU beds at high capacity with COVID-19 cases, most at 80% or higher, it's a good idea to mandate vaccination. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, sir. We really appreciate that. Chip in. All right. Mayor Urban said, this week, the city will continue its fight to get what it considers a more accurate census count. His comments come during the city council meeting Tuesday, echoing what he said, um, Hold on a second. There we go. Echoing what he said and has been saying with other city officials since 2020, decennial census numbers were released two weeks ago by the U.S. Census Bureau. It showed that Aurora had lost about 17,000 residents during the past 10 years, about the equivalent of one of the city's 10 wards. And officials have said they doubted that kind of population loss would have gone unnoticed among other city metrics such as housing stock, water customers, and traffic counts. Um, the big concern is that the city has estimated the new count could cost Aurora about $31 million a year in lost 
distributions of motor fuel tax, sales tax, income tax, and money from federal programs for housing and education. $31 million a year. It prompted Ninth Ward Alderman Edward Bug to call the census numbers, quote, a curveball, end quote. That means the mayor and aldermen are trying to provide services for 200,000 people, but getting money for 180,000. Uh, mayor Urban said he understands exactly what Alderman Bug is saying. He has called for a review of the numbers by the government and has even said the city could call for a special census down the line. Wow. Uh, let us know what you guys think about. Oh, excuse me. One more piece of this. Since 2012, staff has had the ability to pay bills up to $25,000, which it expanded from that year, excuse me, which it expanded that year from $10,000. Staff recommended it be raised to $50,000 due to inflation and the cost of materials caused by the pandemic to fill contracts. Both Mayor Urban and Alderman Buck's comments came among discussion of council approval of an amendment to its purchasing rules that would allow city staff to go ahead and pay bills up to 50000 without direct city council approval. Wow. Uh, man, let us know what you guys think about this. We are still the second largest city in Illinois. That has not changed. But as we detailed to you guys Friday last week on Jeanette's planning, and also I told you about it just Monday, um, Kendall County, specifically Oswego and Yorkville, have seen astronomical rises in population. But folks are leaving Aurora, but they're going to Oswego and Kendall County. Food for thought, guys. Food for thought. The time is now 8.34 a.m. Okay. Bianca Camarago is here. Good morning to you, Bianca. Glad to see you. Um, subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. The show is everywhere. We are happy and we are proud to deliver you guys local up-to-date, always respectable, good Aurora news and headlines every single day. We've been doing this uh, for how many months now? 15 months so far, uh, and we are going to continue. Year one is down. We've got 99 more to go. Okay, guys. Okay. Aurora could pay for replacing lead water service lines in the city council committee uh, just this week. They endorsed a change that would have the city pay for replacing lead service lines to a homeowner's water meter. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, oh, how important could it be for lead service lines getting replaced and all that? Well, let's go back a little bit. If we recall, there were protests about Aurora Township drinking water access for folks who live in the Marywood community. I think that's the name of the community down there, Barnesworth and Molitor area. Um, now, those folks are township residents. They don't pay taxes into the city, but for water and the elimination of a gas station, which could have potentially uh, contaminated the water, amongst other concerns, um, that process and that gas station is not being built. So pay attention to all aspects of what's going on in your, our city government. Uh, this change means the city, rather than individual homeowners, would pay the cost of replacing the service line. 
aldermen on the Infrastructure and Technology Committee voted 5-0 to zero to support the change in the city's program, in large part because the Illinois General Assembly passed a new law that would mandate replacement of lead service lines beginning in 2027. Back in 2018, Aurora began its program to replace lead service lines. The city uses no lead pipes in its water distribution. But some of the service lines on private properties are lead. Because the testing, excuse me, because of the testing the city does and the way it treats its water, those service lines present no likely health problem if they are left as they are, and that's according to city officials. But if the water line that connects to those lines is disturbed, such as the city repairing a water main for a leak or a break, or the city doing a city project that requires moving or breaking the water line, it could result in an unhealthy amount of lead in the water from the service line. And at that point, city officials wanted the lead service lines replaced. There are 48,000 service lines on private properties in Aurora, and the city estimates about half of them are lead. Most of those are in older houses, which means they largely would be in the section of Aurora between Orchard Road on the west side to Farnsworth Avenue on the east side. Throughout the past three years, the city has been doing water and sewer projects, and lead service lines have been replaced as the city does those projects. Originally, the city's policy was to do no work on private property, so the city would repair water lines up to the property line, and homeowners would replace the lead service lines from there. Wow. Um, so, water, lead, health, good health. City picking up the bill. All of this is very important. Uh, the link for this will be put in the chat for you guys to read at your leisure. All right. Um, I got news on bikes for you guys. And I also uh, got another thing to tell you guys about. It's an online discussion uh, for women, but that's coming up pretty soon. Here's some more local headlines for you guys. Uh, the time is now 8.38 a.m. So take the mystery out of securing state grant funding with online training hosted by our friends of the ICJIA, the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority. Your recipe for grant success is training that allows you to learn at your own pace, informing you of everything you need to know to write a successful application. Um, with registration steps, a process overview, and submission tips, the ICJIA is here to help you succeed. Uh, registration is required for this great event, and I'm going to get that link and put that in there for you guys as well. Now, the ICJIA, for those of you uh, who don't know, its headquarters is in Chicago, does work statewide all across the state of Illinois, and I had the opportunity to do some grant reviewing for the ICJIA, and let me tell you guys something. That and jury duty were some of the coolest things I ever took part in. I mean, it was like, it was a lot of fun to be involved in that. Some people don't like jury duty. They're like, oh, you know, I got to go do my civic duty. I loved jury duty. I'll tell you what, I would do it again. I would do jury duty for free. Um, that's how cool it was. I had a great experience, and it really opened my eyes to to the um, to the justice system. I did it at Kane County. Um, it was really cool, and I might make a separate podcast episode to talk about my experience on that. That was a lot of fun. 
Okay, guys, let's keep moving on. Keep moving on. So, um, our friends of the Aurora Public Library, as you know, other friends of ours who we really love and adore, they are the foundation. They're having their second annual virtual 5K walk and run, Lace Up for Literacy. That's going from August 30th to September 6th. The proceeds will benefit new and modern, excuse me, a new and modern bookmobile. And it'll move, excuse me, and more literary resources for children. Now, I didn't know, or rather, I was uh, completely unaware, naive. You think a bookmobile just lasts forever, right? You're just like, oh, yeah, it's a bookmobile. It'll always be there. No, it gets worn out. It needs an oil change. It needs a tune-up. The bookmobile now, I think, if I heard correctly, has over 200,000 miles on it or something like that. So if you guys can, donate, take part, help us get a new bookmobile, y'all. All right. Dan says he agrees with Mayor Irvin. The 2020 population numbers don't make sense. Aurora has had new construction in the last 10 years. School enrollment is up at D131. The 2020 Complete Count Committee did a great job with promoting the census, and we had a good self-response rate. Now, Dan, you are correct. Now, here's what, here's what Dan brings up. Listen, this is important. And as a matter of fact, it's a matter of fact. Let's, let's reverse our history books. Let's just go back a few pages. I remember that. In fact, I remember the city of Aurora publishing data that showed the self-identify, or excuse me, self-response rate. They showed it when it was a little bit down and they kept showing the increments in it. I'm not privy to specific points of data. Um, to say that yesterday it doesn't make sense or it does make sense. But Dan is right. I remember the pride and the confidence that we had in our positive self-response uh, self rates at that time. So that data perhaps does uh, warrant another look. Casildo says the King County Health Department asked local people to help make videos on the importance of vaccination. They did? KC, I love when you tune in, bro. You always got some miscellaneous news. Um, Anna, I'm going to post you or rather I'm going to tag you in later on to where I saw those pictures because I want to make sure that you can see those. The time is 8.42 a.m. You're listening to and watching Good Morning Roar, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. OK, listen, tomorrow is going to be a special day. Oh, my God. There's so much going on tomorrow. We've got Jeanette playing tomorrow morning, as you already know, at 8 o'clock a.m. But we've got a guest on Jeanette playing. We have a local artist, friend of mine. A gentleman by the name of Raul Rodea. He goes by the moniker. That's the word of the day. Moniker. Ooh, I like that. He goes by the moniker Fund the Mental. F-U-N-D-T-H-E-M-E-N-T-A-L. He'll be on the show with us talking about the art that he is up to, all the projects that he is doing. And uh yeah, we'll be chopping it up with him. So tune in tomorrow at 8 o'clock a.m. Now, yesterday. Buenos Dias Aurora had a remarkable time. We met and talked to a lady by the name of Minerva. She is from the Wabans, or excuse me, the Women's Business Development Center, the WBDC. And she came on to talk to our guest with our colleague Noelia Ruiz of the Wabanzi SBDC about the B2B grant 
process the back to business grant and she did it in Spanish. That video is on Buenos Dias Aurora's Facebook page. Please check it out at your leisure. Great information for our residents in Spanish to make sure that everyone without exception can participate in and take advantage of funds to help keep businesses open. Okay. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, listen, you know I like you. You know I care about you. And I use this word a lot. The word of the day is moniker. But I would use, I would be uh, remiss if I did not tell you about what is taking place in DuPage County. Do not forget the DuPage County Expungement Clinic. That's taking place on set. Oh, calendar invites it's going crazy over here. That's taking place Sunday, October 2nd from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The location will be the DuPage County Administration Building located at 421 North County Farm Road in Wheaton. Uh, many things on your record may be eligible for removal or sealing. Our team will help you walk through the process of clearing your record. Volunteer attorneys will help prepare and file your request to have your record cleared for free. Shout out to the participants and sponsors such as Prairie State Legal Services, DuPage Legal Aid, and Illinois Access to Justice. Um, the reason why we are putting this information out there is because um, in the overall context of social justice and in the, uh, in the spirit of helping to bring people from the bottom to the top, it's worthwhile to highlight and note what organizations are doing to help other people do this. Somebody the other day had us, you know, well, I don't have a background. It doesn't apply to me. Well, maybe it doesn't apply to you. But for a person who had a DUI from 30 years ago, who's now 60 and it keeps coming up every time they're trying to get a job, uh, this matters to them. And a lot of people don't have $5,400 to pay for a lawyer and the fees. You got to get, you know, you got to get the retainer and all that kind of stuff. This is good work being done for free and it helps people who need it. Uh, a lot of people have been able, are able and want to continue on with their life after falling off the horse once way back when they were 19 or 20 years old. This is how they can uh, move ahead. And we're happy and proud to support it, period. Okay. Now, um, thank you for that link, Casey. I appreciate that, sir. Our friends of the Alive Teen Center, they're now accepting applications for the mentorship program. The purpose of the program is to create positive peer relationships between middle school students and upperclassmen. Um, this is really good, too. Starting kids off young with mentors. Oh, I love it so much. Let's do what we can to support the Alive Teen Center. Alive Teen Center has two locations. The first is in Naperville. Uh, Fifth Avenue Station is where it's at. That's the train station in Naperville, the Metro stop. And the second one is here, right in downtown Aurora on LaSalle Street, um, across the street from the Calle Lily Tea Room. They're great people. Addie Rubio and Casey Chitwood are friends of the show. So uh, if you can support them, please do, guys. It's uh, helping to make our city better. All right. Get ready. Tuesday, September 7th from 4 to 7 p.m., there is the free Aurora Campus Open House. Are you looking for a job? Do you need help with your resume? Would you like to receive training to get a better job? 
Are you interested in starting your own business? Is the stress of the pandemic getting to you? If you answered yes to any of the questions above, please join our team. This is hosted by the Kane County Sheriff's Office University. The address will be at Talented 10th Social Services, 209 North Lake Street. On the agenda will be many things, how to log on and navigate the Kane County Sheriff's Office Job and Community Resource Board, interviewing skills, resume writing skills, uh, how to start your own business. That'll be hosted by our friend of the show, Harriet Parker, Wabonzi Community College, and moral recognition therapy and training classes. Shout out to the Quad County African American Chamber of Commerce, the Aurora Regional Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Talented 10 Social Services, and the Kane County Sheriff's Office. Judy Dawson, what is up? Yay! All right. It's 8.49 a.m. I got one more quick piece of uh, information to get out to you guys. Um, this is about the issues of youth suicide. A series of events has begun in the Aurora area to raise awareness about the problem of youth suicide. September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and the Kane County Health Department is offering drop-in art events for youngsters to hopefully inspire creativity as well as spark discussions about the problem of suicide. Anna Serzniak, uh, Children's Mental Health Program Manager and a licensed clinical social worker for the Kane County Health Department, says, quote, it's important for members of our community to recognize signs that someone may be considering suicide how to handle that situation, and how to connect young people to the help they need. Uh, she says, I like to think that this event is about creating those conversations, and one of the reasons people tend to commit suicide is they are feeling lonely and helpless, uncomfortable feelings, and they may not have anyone to talk to. Um, she also points out that even youngsters as young as eight years old can have feelings of loneliness or anxiety, and that one of the goals of upcoming events is to lay the groundwork to help people of any age cope with the problem. We will be highlighting uh, events as they come up to let you guys know, because again, September is Suicide Awareness Month. We will make sure that anything being uh, presented uh, will be uh, shared for you guys to take part in. All right, so today, actually, Thursday, uh, Simply Destiny is going to be holding a drop-in event from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at 122 West Downer Place, Suite 124. On Saturday, the City of Aurora is going to have the Alley Art Festival, like I just mentioned to you, and uh, there's going to be a table there with suicide prevention programs from noon to 5 at the Water Street Mall. Monday the 30th, Side Street Studios will host a drop-in event from 6 to 8 p.m. at 15 Ziegler Court, and that's in Elgin. And Ms. Cerniak said that for those with COVID-19 concerns, art supply kits can also be taken to go, and completed projects can be dropped off at the Kane County Health Department at 1240 North Highland Avenue in Aurora. Okay, um, good stuff. Shouts out to our friends for supporting all of that. Um, really makes me happy to see all of us coming together for the youngest and the most vulnerable in our community. All right. Um, so couple more things, guys, couple more things. Don't forget Mercado Artenasal. No. Oh my God. I messed that up. All right. Let's take a sip. My Spanish is. Oh gosh. Let's try that again. Mercado Artesanal. Yeah, that's better. 
All right, the Ohaka in Aurora, Illinois event. That's going to be the 29th. It's coming up at Casa Santa Maria, 314 East Downer Place from 1 to 7 p.m. With the participation of Danza de Pluma, Guilla, Chicago, Alexandra Salgado, and Ballet Folklorico. Traditional artists, craftsmen, all the way from the state of Oaxaca. Now, many of our friends are going to be sponsoring this event, and I want to give a shout-out to Hukalita Tacos, located at 18 West State Street in North Aurora. We interviewed Mr. Lopez on Buenos Dias Aurora. He is a great guy. Um, loves to give back to the community and he does so very much for people uh, so if you guys are in North Aurora please give him a shout out try the food Mr. Lopez I will see you very soon again brother okay and don't forget my daughter's dress September 17th from 6 to 11 p.m. at the Martini Banquet Hall in Yorkville their through the decades mom prom fundraising event is going off more information you can call 6309811947 that number again is 6309811947 okie dokie guys so um i want to say with the last 853 i'm going to take a, a couple minutes uh just to talk to you on a uh one-on-one -on -one level here I want to say that I have been noticing a huge shift in our downtown area specifically, but encroaching on the east side and the west side. I am seeing a lot of positive development, uh, and I hope that you guys are too. I'm seeing artwork. I'm seeing jogging. I'm seeing bike groups. I'm seeing uh, a lot more music and entertainment. I'm seeing folks coming into Tavern on Broadway, having a having a spritzer, taking it down to uh, not taking the spritzer, but you know, walking on down to the venue. I'm seeing kids and families smiling as they visit the farmers market. I'm seeing people sit out there in front of One East Benton at that rotating fountain stone statue kind of thing that they got by the um, uh, the old Elks Lodge. What is the, you know those apartments? The Mayan building now. I'm seeing that. Um, I'm seeing people sit out front of McCarty Mills having a good time. As I drive down Broadway, I'm looking around at the stores. I'm seeing Chupacabra here. I'm seeing Four Lease there. I'm seeing guys with jackhammers jackhammering. I'm seeing hammers hammering. I'm seeing pikes and picks swinging. I'm seeing development all over the place. Uh, the intersection of Broadway and Galena, the terminal building, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing advertisement about apartments there. I'm seeing folks at the Paramount Theater. The Paramount Theater is hiring. I'm seeing jobs here and I'm seeing jobs there. I don't know who is not witnessing this, but I do believe that Aurora is making a super huge comeback. I think Aurora is uh, shedding the skin of decades of neglect, decades of a lack of development, and decades of stagnation. Now, 
I wasn't privy to any of the discussion. I didn't work for City Hall. I've never worked for the city. I know economic planning and development takes a long time. Um, but I think that we're seeing the fruits of that labor. I really do. And because of that, I want us all to chip in, pay into the system. And paying into the system is not really with money. Shout out, take part, speak highly, okay? Say good things, contribute, construct, build, as opposed to tear down. Um, I, I say that because all of the development that we've wanted to see, all of the pessimistic comments that I've read are no longer viable. I really don't think they are. Now, of course, we want to see positive representation amongst our different parts of the Aurora fabric. Sure, we do. But before we start throwing around terms like gentrification or exclusion, let's take a trip down memory lane and see if those same terms that we were using in 1999, in 2003, in 2009, in 2012, let's see if they hold weight now. My opinion is that they may no longer be applicable. It's 8.57 a.m., guys. I hope that you guys had a good time with the brother, chopping it up for the news. Oh, my goodness, it's Thursday. Come on, let's do something fun today. We've got things to do. I told you about Simply Destiny. Go there tonight. Support them. Shout out our friends. Tomorrow is an episode of Jeanette Splaining. we got more to talk about, and we've got an artist, Raul Odea, who will be on the show. I've got a great interview I'm doing tomorrow as well. I don't want to preface it for you at all, but let's just say this. The person that we are interviewing is a man with a background in science. How about that? Claudia says that she just heard on Fox 32 that the census dropped 17,000 people. That can't be right. I know we were just talking about that, Claudia. Thank you for sharing, sister. Tracy says, honestly, she's so glad they are finally getting the buildings back to life and bringing life to downtown with all the shops, too. It's slowly coming back to how it used to be. Man, I concur. I do concur with you. Thank you guys for sharing with us so much. Oh, and Dan says it's amazing that we have all this positive activity with a 20,000 population loss. I know. <laughs> right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like Aurora really Aurora is an interesting city. It's like we're debating if the if we're debating if the uh we're, we're trying to see if the population loss numbers are correct, but there's more activity than I mean it's blowing up, right? It's it's it is crazy. It's quite the conundrum. All right, guys, it's eight fifty nine a.m. I hope that you guys have a blessed, positive, beautiful, and constructive rest of this day. Tune in tomorrow, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We need all of you guys to subscribe. Uh, we've got so much more news, so much more culture, so much more art, so much more Aurora coming right your way. Take care of yourself and each other. Yeah.